So first off, I visited Denver. And previously, we've talked about the Denver airport. The cursed place. Okay, so I'm sad to report I was I got there a little bit you know, uh, later than I wanted to. So I didn't get to see any of the creepy murals. That really hurt my heart. Oh, man. But I got to see, in all his glory, Lucifer. The stallion. And it was broad daylight, and it still and it still creeped me out. Yeah, it's terrifying, isn't it? Because I look at those hooves, and I know there's blood on those hooves. Yeah, like, quite, quite truthfully. So I just wanted to update... The, you know, listeners that, like, I saw it, and it's evil, and it needs to be burned down, and I'll start a petition. Mm -hmm. But also, there is a, I'm not sure of the building. I was told this when we were in there, when we were downtown, and I forgot it immediately. But there is equally tall a blue bear. Oh, yeah, the big blue bear staring into the windows. Yes, there's a blue bear. So so for people who did not listen to the previous episode, there is a, a big, big, big blue horse that you see when you come into DIA. And now you've had that experience, right? So you're driving in. Colorado is a, uh, it's not a barren place, but it's not very lush, especially where the airport is. It's flat. It's kind of farmlandy. There's not a lot to your left. There's not a lot to your right. You're just driving on through. And as you get closer to the airport, instead of seeing, you know, signs or an airport, what you see first is this massive blue horse reared up on its hind legs with beady red glowing eyes and an emaciated chest staring you down. And that's a real weird sight. I mean, how did you feel about that? I felt, and I was prepared for it. I knew it was coming up. I was actively looking for it. And then I even saw it in the distance, and I was like, ooh, yeah, let's drive closer. <laughs> and it still creeped me out. Like, I had a legitimate yeah. chill go down my spine of, ooh. That really is evil because from afar away, you're like, no, oh, it's fine. It doesn't look that creepy because I, I, we had seen close-up photos. So I was like, eh, it's not that weird. But his eyes glow bright red in broad daylight. Yeah. And that is the unsettling bit. There's like big weird veins on its ribs and chest and the mane is like also blue. And the whole blue color is like, uh, listener, you might be seeing like a, I don't know, cloud blue in your head or like nope. a dark navy blue nope which would be weird but it'd be like fine but no it's like a almost sickly electric blue is maybe the best way of saying it it's demon blue it's it's demon blue yeah <laughs> yeah picture like a demon in a 90s comic book and whatever that blue is i bet you got it i bet you got it on one and it's real weird and without any context and there's no reason that it exists and it killed its maker so that's enough to say you don't need anything else to know that Blue Mustang, a.k.a. Blucifer, is evil. But now you've seen the other blue creature, which is equally without context, which is as you drive downtown in Denver, there is a large building that is all glass windows, and there is a big 40-foot bear, maybe, tw I don't know, 20-foot? I, I have no idea how tall it is. It's quite large. It's pretty big. And uh, it is peering in the windows, and it doesn't have the same demonic vibe no. as the as Blucifer does, but it's it's a strange sight. It's weird. It's also on its hind legs, so this is a, a theme. Blue large animals. <laughs> it's a fair fight on their hind legs. Yeah, it's not just you know walking down the road or sitting like a bear. It's actively trying to get into a building. Very strange. Yeah, they're both they're both strange. So I'm glad you got to see them. 
and now you know a weird obsession of Denver people. We we covered this. There is still so much that we didn't cover. There's weird gargoyles in the baggage claim area. I know, man. I wanted to be there so long, but I just, it just didn't work out. Ugh. I'm a little mad that you didn't give you know a good two hours to explore <laughs> the DIA airport I into know, your trip, I know, but I'll, I'll allow it this one time. All right. You got anything else? I do. So... Mm-hmm. Like I told you, I was traveling across country with my brother-in-law, helping him move. So in my travels, I encountered what is now my favorite gas station line. And you think, and you think Ben, that's a weird favorite to have. Okay. Like, all, aren't all gas stations the same? And I say no. <laughs> okay. So I'm looking at this now. I got this picture from you. And let it be said that gas stations sometimes have weird names. What's that one that everyone loves so much that has subs? Wawa. Wawa. I mean, Wawa is not the... That's that's a strange name. But this picture, this picture takes naming to a new level. And I encountered this gas station uh, chain, this this franchise, a couple times. (laughs) Like, more than once. Mm -hmm. Okay, so this isn't just a one-off. No, 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 no. This is an established... Some of them are pretty nice, too. All right, you want to give us the name? It is... Toot in totem. <laughs> and it could be argued that it's toot in totem. The inflection on the end is is an important thing here. Because because what, what you're telling me, this, this is very similar to the mac and cheese thing that we had a while ago, you were, if you remember that. Oh, yeah. Which is your version of this is saying that it's toot and totem. But what's a toot and what's a totem? So why are they why are they giving me an and in the middle of here? Like rootin' tootin'? I don't know. Here, I just pulled it up. So the tootin' totem story began in 1950 when a young entrepreneurial couple, Eldon, <laughs> nicknamed Lefty, and Novi Mitchell, established their convenience store at 15th and Washington. Okay. At its inception, customers would literally drive up, oh, toot their horns, oh. and the store's clerk would tote... The orders outside to the car. Oh. So you toot and they tote. <laughs> this is good. Why I like it is because it's hearkening back to a whole nother time when toot meant something completely different. And it hasn't given it no. up, you know? That's what a toot meant to Lefty, and that's what a toot meant to me. <laughs> and I appreciate that. But I do have another quick hit okay. that can be it's it's a it's another update from a previous story. Let's do a little follow up. <clears throat> okay, so we love we love follow ups here at uh, Bro. Did you see this? Yeah, yeah. So sadly, sad to report that the Supreme Court has removed uh, the measure to split California into three states from the ballot. Oh, you mean that thing that I said wouldn't happen by any means? You mean that thing that I said I wanted to happen? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I, I'm feeling I'm feeling pretty good about this now. Ben, because I didn't think this was going to come true. And not only is it not going to come true, but now it can't even come true because it has been voted as impossible, which means that it was ridiculous <laughs> to begin with. Because if something has to have a Supreme Court ruling <laughs> that says people can't vote on this, then that means that it was dumb. Okay. And it was unanimous too, man. Not one Supreme California Supreme Court justice was like, hmm. Yeah, Democrats <laughs> and Republicans aligned to say this is a stupid idea. We don't agree on much, but <laughs> So I'm looking at this thing and basically what it seems like is that 
they're saying they didn't get proper permission to get this on the voting ballot, which is interesting. And one of these people who's on a planning and conservation league said that the proposition was, quote, a costly, flawed scheme that will waste billions of California taxpayer dollars, create chaos in public services, and literally eliminate the state of California, all to satisfy the whims of one billionaire. That's my favorite kind of story. <laughs> you know, that's a good that's my quote. favorite kind of story. <laughs> yeah. This will not be happening. This it will is. not be even voted on. And California will remain California, just like it should be. Because Southern California would have been north of California. Northern California would have been south of Southern California. It drove me crazy. Get back to the drawing board, but probably we'll never have more than 50 states. And I really wanted to just see the chaos that would ensue from a crazy decision like this. Yes, yes. I'm pretty pretty even keel. You know, don't sway too hard in certain directions. Don't have that many, you know, harsh stances. I really wanted to see this burn and blow up and just, like, go crazy. Oh, well, thanks. Thanks for that. As a Californian, (laughs) I do appreciate that. Yeah, thank you. As a Californian and new business owner in California, I really appreciate that you want to see my state go through utter chaos while I invest heavily in it. That really makes me feel good and, and not at all problematic. Look, man, I love you like a brother, mm-hmm. okay? Mm-hmm. Okay. But yeah. you can't argue that that would have been a little bit entertaining to see the why mis- Brexit happened. <laughs> You're why Brexit happened. People just want to see the world burn, and they're like, yeah, I'll vote for that. <laughs> they get in their little voting box, and they no one can tell them what to do, that's and they right. say, that'd that's, be funny. That's <laughs> my right to vote stupidly. Thank you, Supreme Court, <laughs> for, for not letting the bins of the world rule my state okay all right i have a link i I really want to share with you okay this is this is a this is a series of links but it's all one story okay okay so recently i went to uh okay recently christine and i didn't have dinner and so we went to the grocery store to be good adults and like figure out what to make for dinner okay and i forgot what we got we got something like a we got some stuff to make some something really easy you know steak and potatoes or something like that and while we were getting to the checkout aisle for some reason, we went down the frozen aisle, and then for some reason, we thought, you know what we need is we need some ice cream. And because we're adults, Ben, I don't know if you know this, but no one can tell you what to eat for dinner. Did you know that? <laughs> that is that is a fact. So instead of eating steak and potatoes, we, we bought that, saved it for later, ate it probably the next night, which was fine. But that night, we just ate ice cream, and that was all we had, and it was amazing. <laughs> I like always getting something new. So Ben and Jerry's... Passe. I've had it. I don't want it. I want something new. Been there. Been there, done that. And so I found this ice cream called Three Twins Ice Cream. Have you ever heard of that? No, but it sounds like a Drew ice cream. Yeah, yeah. Just, you know, had a weird logo, had weird flavors. So I thought, okay, that sounds fine. The logo, not great, by the way. You'll see it soon. Uh, nothing to write home about there. But they had ice cream flavors that were interesting to me. So I got it. And then for whatever reason, I like looked them up or I don't even remember how I found this, but I, I, I was like browsing around and I saw the logo and I thought, what's that? And I clicked on it. I ended up browsing through the website. Yeah. But here's what I found underneath a category called absurdity on their website. <clears throat> okay. Three twins. First off, why not triplets? Oh, that, you know what? I <laughs> Up to this point. I literally didn't think okay. about that. All right. All right. Good to know. Good to know. What? I literally didn't look down until just now. What? 
On this website, you can choose to have 100 pints personally delivered to you by one of the founding quote-unquote twins anywhere in the U.S. for $3,333.33. That's dumb. (laughs) And there's a little picture of him. He looks creepy. How hope we include that in the notes. There's a little picture of him. We'll put it in here. And here's what it says. Why have your ice cream delivered by an anonymous guy in brown socks? Who gets their ice cream delivered? Uh, you're answering a problem that no one wants solved. When you could have it personally delivered by Neil, the founding twin of Three Twins Ice Cream, while he's sporting his green tuxedo. And there he is in the picture. Green tuxedo. Smile. Creepy as hell. A hundred pints of ice cream in his hands. Delivery is available to any United States postal address located on a navigable road within a hundred miles of an airport regularly serviced by a commercial airline. The purchase price includes a hundred pints Delivery, up to two hours of scooping service, which I don't know what that means. What? And a Three Twins ice cream, laser etched ice cream scoop. Ah, okay, I want that. Plus a $333.33 contribution to a land trust of your choice in a signed first edition of the Founding Twins riveting and emotional unauthorized autobiography, Portrait of an Ice Cream Maker as a Young Man, upon release. I guess it doesn't exist yet. (laughs) This is the weirdest thing. Mm-hmm. Is my first impression, but then my second impression is, oh, this dude just wants to travel. Yeah. But then I'm thinking, no, he doesn't want to travel. He wants to like have contact with humans, with people. <laughs> he wants to share his story. So this is thirty three dollars per pint, which isn't a great value add. No, it's because that, but that's not the total. You gotta you're paying for his plane ticket. Yeah, the pint is probably five bucks a, a pint. And, and who knows how much it costs for an hour of scooping service? <laughs> I don't know how I'd estimate that. I've never had to think about how much scooping service. Or what costs. about the laser etched ice cream scoop? That's got to be you know pricey. The laser etched ice cream scoop is probably very pricey. Yes, yes, yes. So, okay. Anything else that you want to talk about about this? Because there's more. Well, hit me with the more then, because okay. <laughs> So then I, I continued into this category, and I found this. What? <laughs> okay, forget this company. Forget this company. I'm done with them. So the next thing, same price, $3,333.33. You can get the world's most expensive ice cream sundae, which they must have done some research for that, right? You have to know if it's actually the world's most expensive ice no, cream No, I feel sundae. like people make those crazy claims. Okay, well, maybe, but I mean, three thousand dollars—that's a lot of money, right? So go, go ahead and tell tell the tell the listeners what you get with this. Okay, for the package of the world's most expensive ice cream sundae, enjoy a decadent banana split made with syrups from three rare dessert wines: a 1960s vintage port, a Chateau de Quim, and German Trockenbrunnerse. I said that horribly. That was perfect. It's served with an ice cream spoon from the 1850s. What? That's gross. Has it been cleaned properly? And comes accompanied by a cellist performance? Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. One-third of the purchase price will be d- donated to a local land trust. What's up with them in land trust? Get out of here. I think they're doing this all for, like, a purpose or promote, you know, who knows? Stupid. Boo. Boo. Yeah, I knew I wasn't going to get you on that. I knew I wasn't going to join that. So there's a picture of it. Not as extravagant as the green tuxedo picture. Looks like an ice cream sundae to me. Like a normal size, not a $3,000 worth. It, it's No, it's not. It's not huge. It's not some kitchen sink size thing. It's in a, a reasonable bowl filled with ice cream and some cherries on top. 
but you're getting these uh they're 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 uncorking some some rare dessert wines for you and i don't know the value of them but i'm assuming that they are not cheap and turning those wines not into a nice glass but into a syrup that they'll pour on top of your ice cream sundae uh banana Banana's the cheapest bit, right? <laughs> no, the, that's the most expensive. They're they're flown in from some Madagascar, you know, island offshoot. Mm-hmm. They're super rare bananas. Cellist performance is that more or less expensive than a scooping service? I don't know. I couldn't. Tell I would you. love if the cellist is actually the same guy, the the twin that's going to make the other trip. He does. He does yeah, this trip. Who knows? This does not come to you. You have to come to it. It's available in San Rafael, Napa, or Larkspur. Next time I'm in Napa, I'll check it out. See if anyone's eating that very expensive Sunday. What the heck? People are weird, man. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So now I gotta go try this ice cream to see if it it's up to, up to par. Because well, let me tell you what is if you want to try this ice cream, I have a way for you to try this ice cream, and it is in par with our very strange travel plans that often come. In BDYST. Here's my final link from the three twins. So we just saw the world's most expensive ice cream sundae. And here's one called the world's more expensive, (laughs) most expensive ice cream sundae. What? It's the same people? (laughs) Screw these people. Go ahead and look at that price for me. 60. What? 60,000. This is so stupid. I hate these people. This ice cream can't taste that great. So let me read this one for you. If you pay $60,000 to the three twins, you will travel to the summit of Africa's highest peak, Mount Kilimanjaro, where a three twins ice cream founder will hand churn a batch of ice cream with glacial ice from the mountain summit. (laughs) (laughs) The mountain's glaciers are predicted to disappear within the next 10 to 15 years due to climate change. So hurry up, I think is the subtext there. Wait, 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 wait. So <laughs> they're going to use the ice from this glacier, and they're saying, oh, you know, due to climate change, it's going to disappear. And you're only accelerating it by putting it in these dumb ice <laughs> I cream. Did, I did notice the, the bit of irony there, which is they're like, we have to protect these glaciers. So let's eat it. <laughs> and by protect, I mean eat it, yeah. <laughs> and then the part that you won't care about, your purchase helps raise awareness of this fact with a five-figure contribution to an African environmental nonprofit. Ooh. You, yeah, <laughs> there we go, there we go. The Sunday's price also includes first-class airfare to Tanzania, five-star accommodations, guided climb, and as much ice cream as you can eat. And a souvenir t-shirt. <laughs> I feel like the souvenir t-shirt should have come first there because it feels like a bit of a throw It feels in. like an insult. <laughs> the shirt's like, I'm dumb enough to pay for this crap. $60,000, huh? So much. Pretty interesting. That pisses me off. This is the <laughs> stupidest product we've ever reviewed on this show. What I like about this, too, is that uh, for the other pictures, they had like an actual picture of the thing. But for this one, they just took a crappy map of the earth from uh, Google Images and, used and put a little arrow and, and wrote Mount Kilimanjaro. And they thought, that's fine. In comic sans. <laughs> in comic sans. Yeah. I hate these people. I hate these people okay. so much. Well, if you ever see Three Twins ice cream, don't forget that if you really want to eat the freshest of Three Twins ice cream, you can only do it in one place. And you can only do it for five figures. All right, you have anything for me, or should I give you a couple more? Okay, so I know we love, we both have a a love for all things Mario and Nintendo. So what is a bro did you see this podcast without our daily dose? So 
I found this the other day. Actually, I found this a while ago, and I just, I for whatever reason, didn't bring it up in a show. But I just wanna, just wanna watch this ad with you, bro. Making of Kraft Macaroni and Cheese Super Mario Bros. TV commercial. So it plays the ad first, and it's this super, you know, like just nostalgic. Makes me think of like my childhood Super Mario World ad with Kraft Macaroni and Cheese. I forgot all about the Kraft Macaroni and Cheese dinosaur. Yep. They don't use him anymore. So it's a mixture of live action bits with animated bits with composite stuff. And so this plays the ad and then shows you all the components and how they like rotoscoped and cropped without the use of like crazy, you know, digital technology like we have today. Mm. And it is an incredible process. All right, I'm watching it. Kraft Macaroni and Cheese presents Super Mario Brothers. It's Popple, Stopple, Pony. I'm watching the behind the scenes. It's incredible. The layering that went into this ad. Whoa. Right? But just the detail and the like intricacy of this ad. I wonder how much it cost. I wonder how much effort went into it because it's been forgotten in the like, you know, the library of internet and like in, in the library of the internet and in just like advertisement. I found this like on accident. But it's like so much, this is a piece of art. This could be like in a museum of advertisement. For real. Um, but yeah, I just saw this and I was like, wow, that, I can appreciate that fully as an adult. But seeing that as a kid, because I, I definitely remember seeing this as a kid. It didn't hit me the same way. I just was like, okay, cool, mac and cheese, Mario Brothers, love that. The crazy thing about it too is that there's a few of these shots that like, they took a lot of time. <laughs> yes. There's a, there's a kid playing games on the couch underwater and his hair is like all flying up and instead of just like hairspray or something yeah they literally had a rig where he was upside down hanging from the ceiling so that they could get that shot and then they had to flip it upside down so that it was right side that scene lasted for that scene lasted for a second (laughs) i actually didn't notice it the first time you know it's pretty crazy so much work gets put into things like advertisements which you know very well been working for a agency yep and and some of some of it really gets lost to time but it it does it feels like it belongs in a museum that was so much work and and really well done that was more polished than like the tv show was <laughs> yes, that did yes. live action and cartoon stuff so yeah that's crazy that's really crazy i think like when people especially around like star wars people are like oh we miss practical effects we miss you know whatever I think this is like the perfect example of like what practical effects, how much wonder and amazement it can add to something. Yeah. Like, man, it just felt that much more lived in, that much cooler. And and also, you know, it's not as high definition from like TVs back then. So I'm sure they got away with a lot of like pixelated assets and, you know, anti-aliasing problems. Like the, the edges probably like were bleeding. But... Overall, this is like a way cooler piece of work yeah. than, you know, something that I've seen today that like, eh, okay, un- unimpressed with. Mm-hmm. This is old, and but it's the, it's the complexity, it's the difficulty that I'm just like, wow, this was like a couple days of being on set, of filming all this stuff, of production work. This wasn't done in like an afternoon. Well, I'm glad that you brought me into the fine art mode of BDYST, (laughs) of the observation of a design thing from a bygone era. 
because I actually have a link that I wanted to share with you about that, which is the fact that I don't know if you saw it in the in the news or not, but we recently celebrated 10 years of the App Store being a thing. Oh, cool. One of the things that has really been interesting with the fact that this is now 10 years old is 10 years is a lot of history. It doesn't feel like it is as old as some of the other things. I mean, the Mac still predates it and has a lot more history. But 10 years is nothing to sneeze at. And because of that, there's been some major design changes over the years. Of course, iOS 7, a few years ago, moved everything to a more flat design. But regardless of that shift, I mean, design has changed so much. Uh, and there's this, there's this link that I sent you uh, by a website called 9to5Mac called The Design Evolution of the Earliest Apps. And what they've done is they've gone and looked at some of the apps that have been around since 2008 and looked at their uh, icons and looked at their user interface Oh! and done screenshots of those over time. I love that. So one, the first, I started right at the beginning, the iTunes remote. Mm -hmm. The first takeaway that I'm noticing is like how big the screen has gotten. Yeah. In 2018, that screen is massive compared to the 20, 2008 uh, screen like that's laughable. Yeah, it looks totally squished. The initial twenty eight, uh, sorry, two thousand eight iPhone, and in twenty twelve it got a little bigger, and it remained about that size. Uh, it did remain that size, I suppose, until twenty eighteen. But the two thousand and eight one looks like the the weird. It almost looks like a square compared to the very long screens that we are used to today. Which is funny because I remember people being very worried about the the screen getting too tall vertically and being cumbersome to use but this tiny screen looks way more cumbersome to use because <laughs> yeah. of how little information you can put in there absolutely yeah so that that's crazy and then you know scrolling down to like the icon of the the app um i mean that's fine it's a play button it hasn't changed that much it's it's interesting to see like the skeuomorphic you know vibe of like realism and then to mm. fast forward to 2018 where it's you know flat gradients it's bright it's inviting. So that's cool. Um, oh, Facebook. Uh, Facebook always looks bad. Yeah, Facebook's hard <laughs> to say. Wow, what a significant difference because it looks pretty cluttered and crazy from the jump. One interesting thing is that uh, the very first version of Facebook in 2008, there's one, two, three, four status updates that you can see in there. And uh, in 2017, you can see a whopping one thing in uh in the Facebook timeline which <laughs> I don't think that that's necessarily saying that a bad thing although there's the awful awful Facebook stories taking up a good chunk of the the top of it but it's interesting to me that as our phones have evolved I think that we use pictures a lot more than we used to and as of 2013 all three of the screenshots have big pictures taking up a predominant portion of the news feed where before if there were pictures in them in the in the post they were relegated to little tiny thumbnails which just doesn't make sense anymore and i think that's a cool mark that photos are becoming a bigger part of our life every day yeah and i'm sure that like the designs have changed based on uh users you know behaviors yeah so like that image thing it's probably like you know what we're visual creatures why are we trying to you know compact it just make it full make it big yeah Scroll down to eBay, because I think eBay is a fun one as far as icons go. I love how some of them have not changed a lot. Like No, yeah. Evernote's the same, basically. <laughs> yeah, Things, which is my favorite to-do list, has basically the exact same icon ever since 2008. Very consistent. 
just a, a slight refinement here and there, a move from a bit of depth to a bit of minimalism. Okay, yeah, eBay. Ugh, eBay. Yeah, how crazy is that? eBay started off gross in 2008, got atrocious in 2009, 2010, okay, at least it was of its time. 2013, it's trying. Uh, 2015, it's pretty bland. 2016, tried to get a little bit more interesting. And then 2017, it's whatever. <laughs> yeah, it's it, it has kind of been cluttered forever. It's never been good. Uh, the but it's it's very funny to see some of these trends. A real 2008 eBay app looks like a weird version of a website. Yeah, it looks like what you would maybe think a website should look like, like a homepage of a website. Yep. In in the in the middle, in huge letters, it just says "Welcome Sam underscore W two seventeen," which I love. I wish. What if every single app just took up half of the page, just saying hello to you, and then a big sign out button underneath it, like that's what you're here for, right? To sign out. But yeah, it's it's pretty cluttered. And then the, the logos in the icon underneath have changed significantly too. I forgot. I forgot the logo was so wild. Yeah, the the logo has got these all these different colors, and the the letters are everywhere, and the background is this weird like starburst. starburst yeah, behind the <laughs> logo, it's a lot. And by 2015, the logo is much more simple, and the background's just a plain old white. If you go all the way down to the bottom, you can see all the logos side by side by side by side, which is pretty cool. To me, none of these things particularly stick out as like, wow, what a revolution. But it's something that feels very, you know, this is this is a fun part of design, right? Which is, it's super iterative. So it's not like one day, everything just changes and it's completely different. They morph over a series of years into something something slightly different. The best example might be, in this list, the Instapaper logo, which is a read later app that lets you save articles to, to check out at a later time. And the logo, the, the icon has always been a, a serif eye in front of text. And it started out as a eye in front of a, um, a isometric shot of a newspaper. And then it later ch- changed to a like physical newspaper straight on. And then later it changed to a much more beautiful kind of blurred background of a newspaper with, uh, with instead of just being a bunch of text, little pretty photos. And then over time, over three, three different icon changes, that background has become more and more subtle. Where at this point, if you didn't really know what you were looking at, you wouldn't really notice it at all. And I think that's cool to see this design changing over 10 years. You know, that's a long time, right, into what it is today. Yeah, and I bet there – because, I mean, I know internally with, you know, my my current job that changes like this for our personal company and then changes like this for our clients are always so, so greatly debated and, you know, contemplated – so, I mean, while we're on the outside of these decisions looking at just like, oh, the check mark hasn't changed that much. I bet that little change from 20, 2008 to 2013 was like, no, we can't have it be skeuomorphic. No, we can't have it this. No, we can't. Like, I'm sure that there was someone that fought so adamantly, so hard for, you know, this minimal change or against it or you know, some of them have changed a lot. Some of them, yeah, it's Yelp is pretty much is the same exact thing with just a different color red background. So, but yeah, it's so interesting to see that. Yeah. So I thought that I'd share that with you because I always like hearing your design opinion. Yeah, it's super cool. I take it that you are a bigger fan of 2018 than you are of 2008. 
That is for sure. <laughs> do Do you know anyone that would be a fan of the 2008 lineup that we're seeing? Oh, absolutely. Ooh. Yeah, there's a lot of people that still don't like the skeuomorphism or that, that miss the skeuomorphism and wish that we would go back to so, it. So, okay, so it's cool that you you brought up, you know, this progression of design and and I even question and say, like, you know, who likes that old style? And you're like, no, people do. So this segues perfectly into, I don't know if you've been paying attention to animation lately, uh-huh. but there's been quite a bit of reboots of old kids' TV shows that are being rebooted with a new art style. And it, like, you almost can't tell what show it originally was from. Have you, have, have you heard about any of these so far? No. So first off, they rebooted uh, DuckTales. Did you ever watch DuckTales as a kid? Uh, I did. I don't really remember it a lot, but I remember liking it when I was younger. Yeah, that's probably like one of my favorites from when I was a kid. So they rebooted this one on Disney, and it has a minimal uh, update in style. It's still pretty recognizable as like, oh, this is DuckTales. Like, that's Huey, Dewey, Louie, Scrooge McDuck, Launchpad, Donald, the whole nine. There still was people that were like, well, I don't like it. But overall, this one was received well enough this looks great i love it right i i I love it a lot it's super fresh and beautiful and clean and this is super exciting and it it being one of my favorite shows when i was a kid this is like oh this is changing the in the right direction so then we have this next show which is a little bit different it's in comparison to the 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 shows coming up it's still pretty tame you still can recognize the characters um, only minimal, you know, changes really, but it's the same vibe. So this is a reboot of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, and this is in the classic because they had been doing some 3D animate animated Ninja Turtles for a while, and this is in the classic 2D. So again, it's more of a modern, you know, angular, very uh, stylistic shapes. Um, they they the big change they made they made Raphael the leader instead of Leonardo. What? So that's the only weird thing, but I can live with it. Why? Why'd they do that? Uh, because Raphael is like the majority of people's favorite, so they're just they're leaning into that, and they're like, all right, he's the he's the leader. Did they make him like a different type? Because isn't Raphael kind of like always angry? Yeah, he's now just like a tough guy. Okay, interesting. Yeah. Uh, okay, so so old. I I don't really know how to. I'm, I have a hard time describing animation styles, but. Maybe one thing that I could say is, like, the older one had, like, a very... I mean, 90s animation had such a defined look. It was very, like... Exactly. Very complex. I want to use words like gritty, which isn't very helpful, but it just... It didn't have a very... When you think of... When I think of, like, the word cartoon, I think of maybe more of what this is, which is... It's kind of simplistic. I think that's the era that we're in, though. Like, look at even the app stuff from previous. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, we're all about simplification. Yeah, super clean lines, uh, very expressive faces. Uh, Like, the further out you get, so there's, like, if you have, like, a very close shot of a Ninja Turtle, you know, they have, have like, some pretty good detail on their face and lots of angles. But as you get, like, further away, it's much more simple, like, just a, a rounded shape. With, you know, eyes and a mouth, essentially. So, I mean, you're a fan of this, I take it. I think it's cool. So I am. And, um, again, these are two tame ones. But now we're getting into the territory of people losing their mind with anger. So people don't like this. Uh, the DuckTales and Ninja Turtles, 
minimal hate. Okay. Now, this next show is about 75% hate. There is a 100% hate show, and I'm going to get there. Okay. But So now this is a reboot of Thundercats. Did you ever watch Thundercats as a kid? Not really, but I know about them. Thundercats, ho, blah, blah, blah. And again, same thing. I mean, Thundercats, was that like 80s? Was that even 90s? That was definitely 80s. So that, I mean, man, I hated 80s cartoons. And if people are mad about this because they like 80s cartoons, I think they're crazy. Because I thought they were so friggin' ugly. But I get it. Like, it was like super crazy, overly done animation style. And now here we go with like, they've turned the like very muscular main character of Thundercats into a stubby uh, super minimal, highly like uh, facial expression based character with stubby little fingers and uh, not much else. So yeah, this is the most unrecognizable so far of like you know its original show and its new style. So for me, it's the same thing of you know people hating on movies that come out and reboot. Like the original show still exists. Mm-hmm. It didn't. No one deleted it. But for me, this is like, oh, cool. I like these characters. I like this story. And if it means that, you know, whether it's the style I prefer or not, it's coming to the screen and I can, you know, take in this content. Yeah, sure. I'm down. Like revisiting this world is fun enough for me that I'll take it in any form. Yeah. And I mean, it's 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 not it's not like it's bad. Oh, people would disagree. People would disagree. I mean, it's it's actually quite complex. Like watching this thing it zooms from the globe to a crash spaceship and then it moves over and a character flies in from out of nowhere and like there's a lot of dynamism to this and i feel like part of why you'd use a simplistic style is to allow for a lot of kinetic energy right like isn't that kind of the fun of this if you have characters that look like human beings with perfectly rendered muscles you can't all of a sudden have a character fly from a pyramid top to, you know, meet them all of a sudden and let their body morph into something different. Where with this, it's very easy because everything can feel very fluid, right? I don't really know a lot about animation, but that's how I feel. Yes. And again, I think I'm on the same page as you like, yes, it allows for more uh, kinetic energy on the screen. But people like purists, uh, quote unquote purists, um, they just like, it's almost blasphemy to to do it in such a, a kiddie style. Okay. And they're not they're not seeing it for what it is that like it's just a different show and we're just, you know, whatever. It's it's a it's a change. They're not seeing it for what it is. But yeah, it's I can't tell you how many mean comments that I've read about this show ThunderCats and how many like memes and jokes of people, "Oh, look, I I made a show like um you know, pick a really edgy, like, I made a Die Hard show, and the character, they showed an image, and it's like a really cartoon version of John McClane, you know? So, the people are just joking on it and going too far. Okay. So, now, this is the most recent one, and this has gotten probably the most hate, and I think it's way unfounded. So, Thundercats makes sense, people upset, it's totally different. This one, but again, I'm still down for Thundercats. This one, so Netflix is releasing a She-Ra TV show. Do you remember She-Ra? No, I have no idea who She-Ra is. She is the female counterpart to He-Man. Oh, okay. Yep, so this is the female... I think it might have been his sister or cousin, but it's literally the same kind of premise, 
but it's a female and she's a princess and she's fighting. And so Netflix is rebooting it and they're doing, it's called like the princesses of power and it's like a whole female cast. And so the concept is actually really cool. And like, I'm excited, you know, to, to see it, but it's very soft in its animation style. And you can scroll through the, the new story and just see it's very soft. It's more complex than the other shows we've seen. Um, but again, it's rounded edges. It's light colors. It almost looks like a mature version of Steven Universe. Mm. This, um, I think, looks beautiful and like a piece of art, and people are freaking out. Really? Yeah. Oh, this is probably the most um, criticism that I've seen. I mean, a million think pieces, a million articles, but I've seen equal amount of people going like, so you think the new She-Ra is ugly? And then they pull up like a screen, an animation cell from the original show. Yeah. Like super flawed and colored poorly and just not right. And they're like, yeah, okay, <laughs> you're smart, you know. But yeah, it just blows me away that I think these are all beautiful, tasty shows. And it's so interesting that, and again, it's all older people. There's no kid on these forums or Twitter, or, you know, websites that are like, this looks stupid. I'm sure, you know, kids are like, yeah, I'm excited. I'll watch it, whatever. But it's all these adults that are in their feelings because they have, you know, these like memories and this nostalgia attached to these properties. Mm. And they're, you know, it's just, it's weird that this like fandom has like grown rampant and out of control. No, you can't do this. Your thing still exists. This is to introduce it to a new generation. This isn't as quote unquote bad as Thundercats to me. Absolutely. Thundercats, I kind of, I kind of get like, I, I, I don't agree, but I, I understand if you're like, man, to me, Thundercats is like, you know, this very spe- special thing and it has this really distinct style. Exactly, exactly. And you're, you're, it, it's about the action and now you're making these characters, like, like the, the, the thumbnail for Thundercats, he's got this very like goofy look on his face. And I could see people being like, to me, Thundercats is more about action and like intensity than it is about jokey dumbness. And I think you, you could make an argument for that. I don't think that it would be a good argument, but I could feel the argument there. But this is like, this looks dope. Right. This character looks cool. Yeah. I think it looks really rad. So for the listener, it's She-Ra has this, um, it kind of reminds me of almost like a Thor look, this uh, big sword, this very like almost Valkyrie uh, Viking kind of vibe, this big uh, gold and white costume with this flowing red cape and huge flowing blonde hair. She looks cool. And uh, I don't know why you would think she doesn't look cool. It doesn't look unrefined or simplistic or childlike to me. It looks modern. I think it's cool. Yeah, I don't. I don't understand. I think people are more wanting uh, something like this. I just sent you another link, and this is uh, by Animation Studio. I think they're based out of the UK. Uh, don't quote me on that, but. They are, you know, they've done a, you know, a bunch of things. They've done stuff for TBS. They've done stuff for MTV, whatever. So a couple of their animators made this fake send up to like an 80s animation show or a, a animated show. And I think this is more the style of what they're wanting. Like the, the people that are uh, butt hurt over this new animation style, they want something that harkens back to the days of old, but with modern technology. It's refined. I just love animation, period. 
So I can very easily appreciate the Thundercats and its simplicity and its goofiness and, you know, um, uh, Adventure Time and Steven Universe and all their silliness. But then I see this and I'm like, well, this is beautiful. This is a work of art too. Like, I'd absolutely, I'd watch this because this looks like Avatar The Last Airbender. This looks like uh, Voltron, the animated series on Netflix. You know, this looks cool. Mm. Yeah, I just think that there can be more than one style. Absolutely. That too. That too. This is this is a, a good example of how many uh, dramas the internet can hold, right? <laughs> right? This bad boy can fit so many dramas in it, because I didn't even know about any of this. I managed to be seeing a whole different version of dramas. Final note, though. Mm-hmm. So I've been more in the positive with this whole conversation. There is one show that they're rebooting that I think I do have a problem okay. with. So remember last, uh, I think it was last week, we were talking about Sonic, and it's a live-action mixed with animated characters. And we were like, ugh, that's gross. But still accepting it in the long run because Sonic is a fake creature. I mean, he's a hedgehog, but he's no, no hedgehog looks like him. So they are rebooting Rugrats, which that's fine. But they're doing, they ordered a 26-episode uh, season with a movie. And you're like, all right, that's, again, that's fine. But the movie is live action. And you're like, Oh, no. Yeah, wait, wait. And you're like, uh, I mean, that's okay. It's basically, you know, look who's talking kind of thing. But no, it's live action mixed with CGI characters. Oh, no. Are the babies going to be CGI? Are the adults? Are the... So, yeah. So, wait, there's there's no screen caps of it or anything yet? There's no pictures? Well, believe me, I'll bring it up. <laughs> I don't like Rugrats. Rugrats is bad. Oh. Uh, I never liked it. And I thought it was, I thought it sucked. It also made me scared about eating a watermelon seed and having a watermelon grow out of me, I think. And that wasn't fair. <laughs> that should have been illegal, I think. Okay. Well, so we have, we have some follow up in the future then. Is, yes, absolutely. Uh, will Rugrats be good or bad? The answer, in my opinion, will be bad. Bad. But, bad. Uh, but will it be really bad or just kind of bad? <laughs> I guess we'll find uh... out. Kraft Macaroni and Cheese presents Super Mario Brothers. It's pop em, stop em, own it. On land, or under the sea only. Up or down the drain, I own it. There's always adventure on it. It's Kraft Cheesy Macaroni. Super Mario Brothers, now it's your turn to put the bike on Bowser. It's a super spin joke. 